Locked on Longhorns, the show. Jonathan Davis, your host. Mike Huseman, transfer portal expert on college football. Mike, we got some big news today. So about three hours ago, Nicole Auerbach tweeted that the Division I Council is recommending that the NCAA get rid of the one-time part of its transfer rule. This would allow anybody to transfer and have immediate eligibility, even if they were to transfer multiple times. How do you think that affects college football, which is already running crazy because of the transfer portal and NIL? So a key point that a lot of people haven't looked at yet in this proposal is that you can transfer multiple times, but it has to be in specific windows. So you can't do it year round. It's not just a until May 1st, you're able to transfer and be good. With this proposal, there would be two windows. So from the day bowl games are announced, you have 45 days to transfer which is roughly going to line up with the start of the second semester. Then you have from May 1st to May 15th to transfer again. So it has to be in one of those two windows, which I think from a university school perspective, it cuts down on a lot of chaos and headaches and trying to fit guys in credit wise. I think from a purely transfer portal side of things, it's interesting because we saw, especially with the quarterback position, a chain reaction. You know, one guy would transfer to a school, then guys would leave that school and go and so on. Now, we might not see that in the fall slash winter window as much. We might see some of those transfers take, uh, you know, take place. Then that would go into the spring football battles. Then once those are done, we see more movement in May, which we kind of have been seeing, but it'll be in a specific window where we know what to look for. No. So you had and a I very interesting. Oh, I'm sorry. No, go go for it. OK, so you had a very interesting tweet that 58 out of 131 projected quarterback starters this year were going to be transfers. And two of those yes. transfers are likely Quinn Ewers and Dylan Gabriel. For Texas and Oklahoma. So which one do you think will be more impactful for their respective football team this year? So um, there's, a, I think, a few things to unpack here. My short answer is definitely Quinn Ewers. Um, I don't think there's any way to fully know how they're going to play. Both of them have good supporting casts and top-notch coaches. Sark, along with Jeff Levy, Oklahoma's new old coordinator, who was at Ole Miss, they really know what they're doing. Both of these guys will be well coached, but Ewers has maybe as high of ceiling of any college freshman we've seen since Jameis Winston. I've heard a lot of guys that know a lot about QBs put him in that realm of he has arm talent that is on par with some NFL guys already. Obviously, he has to put that together and figure out you know what system he's going to fit in, what he wants to do. That's that's not saying he's already there. But the upside is so much greater with Ewers. Also, with Gabriel, I don't know if we will see a fully healthy Gabriel for a whole season. We really haven't yet. And he has a lot to prove in terms of the system he's running is a little different than what he did before. So I think there's also more to learn for him that is significantly different from what he did last year when he was at UCF. 
I also think Gabriel's success is more dependent on his team running the ball than yours. The Sooners will need to run the ball effectively. They have good, Eric Gray's a good running back. Um, and Levy's always run the ball well. I think they will do that to help him succeed, which is odd to say because you would think it would make sense if we said that about Ewers because Robinson is a top three back in the country. But I actually think Gabriel is more aligned. What? He could be. Absolutely. I'm. Um, he, he, he certainly, I, I would not hold it against anybody if they said he's number one. If I had to do my rankings... I probably would have him at one, but he's certainly in the top three. And that's less about your success than Gray is with Gabriel, I think. So um, that was a long answer to say, I'm really excited to see yours and I take him over Gabriel if I had to pick. Ajay Hall was one of the most high profile players to enter the transfer portal following the season, uh, leaving Alabama after the hype season he had, even though he only had four catches for 72 yards. Uh, what was your reaction when Ajay Hall entered the transfer portal? And do you envision long term success for him at Texas? I was not surprised at all. That he entered the portal. He seemed to be in constant drama when he was at Tuscaloosa. From the time he came on campus, we were hearing grumblings with him with his dad and a lot of things on social media that I think hurt him more than they helped him. Um, especially when you're a freshman going to those big programs, just being able to go with the flow is a big deal. And for whatever reason, I think he just couldn't do it. Now, we usually see Nick Saban be able to handle those guys and they typically can do well. We don't see as many of those guys leave him and then have a lot of success. But I think Hall certainly can. I think he went to one of the best spots for him in an offense that both in the way circle call plays and the balls Ewers is good at throwing will be able to take advantage of his tools. And I think it's important to say um, in the drama that was around him at Alabama, none of it was legal. And I think there's a huge distinction there. If you are if you just don't like where you're at and aren't happy, that's normal. That I think that can happen to a lot of people. He did not have any other problems that we know of, which I think, you know, some people might say, well, going into the portal transferring, you know, shows a lack of character. I don't buy that for a second. I think he just found out he was in a place that wasn't good for him and is now in a place he likes more. And because of that, I think there's everything in place to show that he can succeed at Texas. Continuing to talk about receivers at Texas last year, no receiver other than Xavier Worthy had more than 26 receptions, but we're talking about the transfer portal. You add Isaiah Nair, you add a Jai Hall and you add Tariq Milton. So has any singular position group in the country gotten better through the transfer portal than the receiver room at Texas. It seems like through the transfer portal, the receiver room at Texas has become one of the best in the country. Have you seen any other position group transform in one offseason the way that the receiver group has at the 40 acres? I have, and I will tell you what they are. So Alabama's receiving room got a lot better. They added Jermaine Burke from Georgia and Tyler Harrell from Louisville. I think them in Texas are right on par. 
Texas did gain one more guy. Alabama probably gained the better, more polished guy with Burton. So I think they're right on pace. Um, I do think USC's receiver room was better than both of them. They got Jordan Addison, the Blitnikoff winner from Pitt. Mario Williams from Oklahoma followed Lincoln Riley. And they got Brendan Rice from Colorado, who himself had a heck of a year in the Pac-12. And getting away from receivers, I think Ole Miss's running backs room may have gotten better than any of them in getting Zach Evans from TCU and Ulysses Bentley from SMU. Another one, and I, I wanted to throw this one out there because we we think about all the top-notch P5 programs getting better through the portal, but Utah State's wide receiver room in the G5 got way, way better, especially if you think about where their starting point was until now. Utah State added Brian Cobbs from Maryland and Xavier Williams from Alabama. Those are two guys that in that conference who should have a field day, especially with Bonner. He's a pretty good QB for that level. So um, I'd like to give a shout out to the AEs there. They did a good job. Yeah. Okay. A quick word from uh, Built Bar. From the people who invented healthy and tasty comes the latest gift to your taste buds. You've probably tried the amazing coconut brownie chunk Built Bar, but guess what? Your friends at Build have given Coconut Brownie Chunk the Puffs treatment. That's right, the Coconut Brownie Chunk Built Bar flavor you love in a deliciously chewy marshmallow covered in 100% real chocolate. It's like a fluffy cloud of coconut brownie goodness. Go to Build.com, use promo code LOCK15 and get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCK15. Mike, so Ate Tucker Dorsey had 116 tackles, nine tackles for loss, two and a half sacks, two forced fumbles, and four interceptions last year albeit on the FCS level at James Madison. In your experience, how have FCS transfers fared at the FBS level? And do you envision more of the same for Tucker Dorsey at Texas? I think he's a good fit for the style of defense they play. Um, I, I wonder whether he will be an every down starter. Um, if you look at the depth chart now that you have him as the backup to Overshone, who we know is going to start. Um, but I wonder if he you know, takes over for Oviagufo, or they move him around a little bit. Um, Brockermeyer maybe, though Tucker Dorsey isn't a traditional middle linebacker. I definitely think he gets on the field a lot, but it'll be curious to see what position and how they use him at. Um, and we see the, you know, the FCS to FBS through the portal doesn't happen much. Um, I pulled some numbers here. So in two, th you know, last in the transfer portal this last year, we had 6,500 guys enter the portal in the NCAA. Only 153 of them went from FCS to FBS. That's a little over 2%. So that's sure. And I think that percentage of FCS to P5 would certainly be even smaller. But we have had guys had a lot of success doing it. Last year, we had Bailey Zappi and Jared Stearns follow their old coordinator from Houston Baptist to Western Kentucky. Uh, Connor Wood is going to start at guard this year for Missouri. He was at Montana State. Um, last year, Texas had a guy who made a start. Uh, Darian Dunn had come from McNeese and did start a game at D-back last year. Uh, and then, you know, the year before that, you know, the most notable one, we had Jibril Cox, who won a FCS national title at North Dakota State and then went to LSU fresh off of their national title. So we've seen guys have success doing it. 
but it's a small sample. And I, uh, I think, especially rushing the passer, um, Tucker Dorsey will be able to give the Longhorns a lot. Most people believe if Hudson Carr does not win the starting job, that he will eventually transfer from Texas. How does that affect quarterback recruiting, knowing that only one can play at, at a time and the loser of the quarterback competition is likely to look elsewhere for more opportunity? So I think it's the biggest position altered by the proposed legislation we talked about today, where if you only have two windows, that chain reaction gets more difficult. It almost forces you to either leave right away or go into a spring battle with someone knowing the loser of that might transfer. One thing I think we will see because of that uh, is our QB recruits are now more incentivized to graduate early and enroll in January. We've seen a lot of them do that, especially at quarterback, but I think now even more do it um, to see how that battle is going to turn out. And I think you're right. You know, most people, you know, probably think card is out the door, but because of our time frame now, he's probably the Longhorns backup this fall. If he doesn't win the job, I think, um, it would be too late to transfer. He's not going to go to an FCS school and start right away, which he could go FCS and be eligible, but FBS is tougher. I doubt he does that. And if he does leave, then UT's in a bind if viewers gets hurt. They don't have a lot of insurance policies behind him or guys who could play right away. Um, the scenario that I think is interesting when we bring that up was we, we look at UT and we look at what Baylor did last, you know, this last spring through the summer where Shapin won the job and Jerry Bohannon left. I think Dave Aranda probably engineered that to some extent. Okay, you're not going to be the guy. It's probably time for you to move along if you want to start somewhere else you cut down on the drama, you know you have your guy, but you hurt yourself in the depth area. I think it's wise that Sark did not do that um, to put them in a bad situation of, you, know, you never know if some guy comes off the edge hard and clips you in the knee, you might be out for two months. Anything can happen in this game. I think it was good that they kept both of them around and that they have not played their hand at who the starter is gonna be. We all assume it's going to be yours, but I think Sark played this one as well as you can play it. The ability to present mismatches with your tight end is such a vital part of Steve Sarkeesian's offense. And in the transfer portal, he brought over Jaleel Billingsley from Alabama to do just that. To me, to me, Jaleel Billingsley seems like he's poised for a breakout season. I know some people have said that he has legitimate first round talent, but it just never seemed to work out at Alabama. What do you see Jaleel Billingsley being able to do this year? Do you envision a breakout season for him reunited with Sark? So I'm in a college best ball fantasy league with a lot of guys who are bigger names in the industry. I'm not one, but some of these guys are. So it's a we're in a G5 league and a P5 league and we drafted concurrently. I took Billingsley in the P5 league. That's how high I am on him this year. I think he had his best season with Sark and it's not that Sark uses the, anybody can use the tight end, having them be an outlet or a dump off. 
he designs mismatches for them where they're crossing the field, they're getting in open spots downfield to take advantage of weaknesses, and he game plans around the tight ends. And Billingsley, and I also think Sanders will have a good year too. I expect them to have two tight ends that are fairly productive this season. So it's not just Billingsley. They are going to be used in that offense, and they now they have a QB in Ewers who can throw those out deep balls and those balls down the seam very well. Quick word from our sponsors. Steve Sarkeesian has already proved to be an A-plus recruiter prior to the transfer portal, and now this is a new weapon at his disposal. So how is the one-time transfer rule and the possibility of people being able to transfer multiple times without penalty affected how college head coaches recruit out of high school? So out of high school, I think now you don't need to address the major holes on your team like you once did. We'll use Alabama for this one um, because I want to use a team that, you know, can recruit the elite guys. So their biggest weaknesses were running back, receiver, and cornerback. They got the best guy in the portal at each of those positions. They didn't need high school recruits to fill those positions. Texas filled their QB and their tight end needs with them, as we've talked about. Um, it is now a way to fill your weaknesses without having to get an inexperienced guy on your roster. I also think a big nuance that it changes in the recruiting game is that prior to the transfer portal, you only had to recruit high school guys. They were who you were evaluating. Now you need to be evaluating other college rosters, especially if you're a lower level P5 team or a G5 team. I mean, if you are Jeff Trailer at UTSA, Dana Holgerson, Seth Luttrell, you better know who's not playing at Texas, Texas A&M and Texas Tech, because you could get them on your roster next year and say, you're going to stay in state. You're going to be starting in front of all your family and friends. And those are good players for those schools like that. Um, and I think being able to have self-awareness and identify your own weaknesses is going to be vital in this. You can't just say, we got these guys out of high school. They were the best guys for us. Maybe three years down the road, they're not the best guy for you. Being able to know who worked and who didn't and what you need to replace is going to be vital in that. My last question for you, who will the transfer portal benefit the most in college football and who will suffer from the transfer portal and the one-time transfer rule the most moving forward? So those teams with the most resources will benefit as they did in recruiting. I don't think that changed your Texas is definitely in this group, Alabama, Texas A&M, Ohio State, Florida, USC will be there now. Um, the teams that have deep pocketed boosters and resources will benefit. After those top teams, the coaches who embrace it will. We've seen Joey McGuire do a good job at Texas Tech, Shane Beamer, Eli Drinkwitz, Blake Anderson, Mario Cristobal, those guys are doing pretty well in it because they're embracing it and seeing it as a viable way to develop your team. I think when we get to the G5 
that's where it becomes interesting because, you know, like we mentioned in the last question, you need to evaluate other rosters and see who you might be able to pluck from them. In the G5, you're going to have to do that. We've talked about um, you know, teams that have used the portal a lot. We've not talked about those who haven't. Dabo at Clemson isn't using it much. Kirk Ferentz at Iowa, P.J. Fleck at Minnesota. Those are all guys that go to bowl games every year. They're not really using the portal. At the P5 level, they may be able to do that. At the G5 level, I do not believe teams will be able to succeed without using it. I don't think they'll be able to take the guys they got out of high school and succeed. They are going to need to know who those three and four star recruits are at P5 schools who are not succeeding there and get them to your school where they can start and you can succeed. Almost um, in a way we've seen those schools use junior college guys in the past. This almost turns into that where they're gonna do one, two, three years somewhere else, then come to you and finish out their career those G5 schools are going to need to be well adept at doing that to succeed and stay viable. Mike Huseman, transfer portal expert. Please let Longhorn Nation know where they can find you and your work on social media and anywhere else. So um, you can see my Twitter handles posted here, Huseman CFB. Um, there is two ends in it, um, but that's, uh, that's all right. Um, I, I've done a lot of work for Football Sapient, um, a guy named John Vogel. You should check him out. He does a lot of that stuff. And, you know, I've you know, been doing some odds and ends stuff for other outlets. Nothing, um, we, you know, I, I've, I've not locked myself in with one spot or another. I like keeping my options open and seeing, you know, I love doing this team-specific stuff with a lot of teams. I think it's really fun. And you can find me talking about the portal, about any team, FBS, you know, P5, G5, FCS teams. I'm I'm all over and love anything on the topic. So um, just for me, it's something fun to do and I really enjoy being here. Thank you for having me, Jonathan. Yes, sir. For my audio listeners, that's H-U-E-S-M-A-N-N-C-F-B as in college football on Twitter. As always, Longhorn Nation, peace.